Alrighty, so this morning we talked about um, deliverance to um, dominion, the shift between uh, deliverance to dominion. And so that's what I want to continue tonight. So if you're taking notes, uh, get your phone out or get a pen and paper and start taking notes here uh, and just kind of rehearse this this week. Get it in your spirit because I believe that it can be... Um, I believe that it can be life-changing and transformative for your life. And so the shift from deliverance to dominion. And what I mean by that is I think that sometimes in our progression with God, sometimes we, um, we um, are always praying for that God would deliver us from a situation and that God would um, uh, remove us from a situation where I, I believe that what the Holy Spirit wants to do is to move us from a deliverance mindset to a dominion mindset. I do believe, I do believe that um, the, the Lord can deliver you from things. He can supernaturally bring you out of things. We see that in scripture. Uh, we also see it in life experiences where the Lord can deliver you from things and supernaturally bring you out of situations. But uh, I believe that as you progress with God, there is this uh, there is this dominion that the Lord wants you to take uh, a hold of. He wants you to possess. He wants you to walk into dominion. And I believe that it's about spiritual growth. I believe that as you grow in the Lord, there is this uh, dominion mindset and perspective that you're supposed to have instead of always praying that God would deliver me from something. But uh, And you move from the deliverance mindset to a dominion mindset. Now, I'm using the children of Israel as my backdrop. And I said that this, uh, this morning, and I'm going to review just very quickly from this morning and kind of bring you up to what I want to tell you tonight. I'm using the children of Israel as a backdrop because you know and I know that when you look at the children of Israel, it, you really do see a picture of yourself. I mean, here is a group of people who God loves very, very, very much. And sometimes people... Sometimes people um, think that the Old Testament is really confusing, that they, they think that the Old Testament is, is irrelevant, but it's, it's really not. I mean, if you look at the Old Testament, it's about a people, a place, and a purpose. A people who is the Jews, the Israelites, God's holy people. And it was about a place. God promised them a piece of land, a promised land, and then a purpose. They were to demonstrate to the whole world that there is one God. They were to be that city set on a hill. And so a people, a place, a purpose. And so this people, who is God's people, the Israelites, the Jews, the Hebrews, uh, you know, they're referred to as many different uh, names here. But, but you get the point. These people, um, you see yourself in them. I mean, they, they, they would repent. Uh, they would fall into sin. They became oppressed. They would cry out to God. God would deliver them. And then... Uh, there would be a sense of revival, and then they go back into the sin. It was just a constant cycle, you know, uh, a constant cycle. And I believe that we have, we face the same thing. There's a difference between a cycle and a season, you know. Um, and so uh, these people were in a continual cycle uh, of, com uh, you know, it was what I call functional bondage. They were always committing sin, and then they would repent of it and fall back into sin. And, and it was this functional bondage that they were living in. But God used people. He would ra he raised up Moses to deliver them from the hand of Pharaoh. He also raised up uh, Joshua, and Joshua was uh, the apprentice to uh, Moses. And so Joshua, under Joshua's leadership, because Moses brought them out of Egypt, 
but Joshua, under Joshua's leadership, you see more of a territorial or more of a dominion mindset. Uh, under, under Joshua's leadership, it wasn't to grow a nation. It wasn't to grow the children of Israel numerically. It was to possess new territory. That was Joshua's mindset. That was his perspective, was God has given us this land and let us take territory over it. Let us possess the land. Uh, and under Moses' leadership, it was more about growth. They, I mean, it was you know, supposedly about three million people being uh, being delivered from the hand of Pharaoh. That's a lot of people. And the scripture even says, because I want to give you scripture for this. The Bible even says, uh, in Exodus chapter number 1 and verse number 12, speaking of the children of Israel, but the more they afflicted them, which is the Egyptians, the more God's people were multiplied and the more they grew, the more they grew numerically. They multiplied numerically. I mean, here's a lot. I mean, they couldn't even keep control over them because th this, th these people kept growing and multiplying in number. Uh, but yet, under Joshua's leadership, it wasn't necessarily that they grew in number numerically. I don't think that's the key. The key is the mindset was to take dominion and new territory of what God has called them to do. In Egypt, their success and their goal was to become bigger. That's why they were put into slavery. Because Pharaoh, there was a Pharaoh thought that uh, you know he didn't know the new Pharaoh didn't know Joseph, so. Uh, and the and the and the works of God, and so he he felt like these people were going to overthrow his kingdom because they were so, you know, they were so many of them. And so in Egypt, their success and their goal was to become bigger. Israel went in to Egypt. Jacob and his sons went into Egypt as a family, but when they exited Egypt, they exited as an army. You see what I'm saying? And so and sometimes I think that that's. You know, we, that's how we think church growth is. And we think that church growth is all about numbers, 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 numbers. And certainly, I mean, I'm a pastor. Certainly, I want my church to grow. And if you're a pastor listening, you want your church to grow. There's nothing wrong with numerical growth. There's nothing wrong at all. But I think that, I think our perspective has to be more than just numbers here. Um, you know, and numbers is important, believe me. Uh, behind every number is a person, so it's, that's important. But an army does not exist for the sake of just numbers. But an army exists to advance. An army exists to enlarge its territory and take possess possession of the land. God is raising up an army. I, I firmly believe it. God is raising up an army, not. Not, uh, not an army that's concerned about its numbers, but an army that's determined to take dominion and to take territory. God's kingdom has been locked up behind four walls for so long. We have boasted about our numbers. We have been concerned about our church buildings, and we boast about our church attendance, and, 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 and you know, that's good and fine. But I think that God is trying to break us out of the box and say, listen, I am not raising up an army just so that you can boast about your numbers. I'm raising up an army so that you can expand the kingdom, so that you can expand the territory, so that you can expand your influence, that you can, ex that you can take dominion and that you can take new territory, that you can expand the kingdom of God in the government, 
that you can expand the kingdom of God in the education field, in the arts field, in the media field, in the sports field. He wants us to get outside the walls of the church and expand the kingdom, to expand the kingdom. You see, Joshua didn't focus on just growing the army numerically. His focus was, we are going into this land and we're going to take it by force. We're going to have dominion. We're going to expand our borders. We're going to expand our borders. And that is what I believe the Holy Spirit wants to do in the church. He wants us to have this mindset where we need to expand the kingdom, expand our borders, get outside the walls of the church, and let's influence the world for the kingdom of God. You see, um, in Israel, in Israel, uh, or excuse me, in Egypt, Israel was big. You know, everything was bad around them and Israel was growing. That's the kind of mindset we have. You know, everything's bad about around us, but yet the church is growing. And there's nothing wrong with having that mindset, but but I think that that the point is is that God delivered them in Egypt, but in the promised land, their objective was to expand the kingdom, expand their territory. We are not here just to grow numbers. We are here to gain territory. We are here to have dominion. We are not called to be a candle underneath the church pew. We are called to be a city set on a hill, Matthew chapter 5. You see, we're called to be much more than what we ever dreamed to be. We're not called to be a candle underneath a church pew, but we are called to be a city set on a hill. In Egypt, they were delivered from Pharaoh, but in the promised land, they were to exercise dominion. And I want to tell you that God has delivered you. He has delivered you from sin. He has delivered you from shame. He has, he has delivered you. Now it's time to take dominion. Let's quit praying that God will deliver us from all of our enemies, deliver us from all of our obstacles, deliver us from all of our heartache. That is not going to happen all the time. That it will not happen all the time. He's already delivered you from sin. He's already delivered you from Pharaoh. Now God is saying, I want you to take dominion. You are no longer slaves. You are now my soldiers. You have to have a soldier mindset. Amen. I'm getting really excited here. <laughs> All right. So in Egypt, they were delivered from Pharaoh, just like you were delivered from sin. You were delivered from Pharaoh. And in the promised land, the next season of their life, they were to take dominion and exercise dominion. And sometimes as we progress with God, once we get saved and we're delivered from sin, we never change our prayer. We're always praying, God, deliver me from the fire and deliver me from the water and deliver me from the criticism and deliver me from the obstacles and deliver me from this. And yes, God could do it. And God does do that sometimes. But I'm telling you by the spirit of God, you have dominion over the enemy. You have dominion and power. Behold, Jesus said in the book of Luke, I give unto you power that you would tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. You have dominion over the enemy. You have dominion over everything of the enemy. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 2 that he's given you dominion. He's given you dominion at the beginning and the enemy's been trying to take it. You, you have to exercise dominion because it's just not going to happen just because you give mental assent to it. It's just not going to happen. So, um, he delivered them. He didn't. God, when they went into the promised land, God just didn't miraculously deliver them from their enemy. He entrusted the Philistines into their hands. 
He wanted them to take dominion. He wanted them to exercise authority. He wanted them to expand the territory. And I'm telling you tonight that whatever God doesn't deliver you from, he will give you the power to resist. Whatever God doesn't deliver you from, he will give you the power to resist. Whatever God don't move from you, he will anoint you to withstand it. And listen, God didn't deliver the three Hebrew boys from the fiery furnace. He was with them in the fiery furnace. And isn't it amazing that the king who threw them into the fiery furnace, he is the one that looked in and said, I thought I threw three men in. I see a fourth man. Sometimes you can't even see what God is doing. It takes somebody else to look in and see what God's doing. Sometimes we're not even aware of what God's doing. The three Hebrew boys, the Bible doesn't say, the Bible didn't say that the Hebrew boys understood that there was a fourth man in the fiery furnace. It was the king that saw the fourth man in the fiery furnace. Sometimes we're not even aware of what is what God is doing. Sometimes we don't even see what God is doing. Sometimes it takes somebody else looking in and saying, listen, I see somebody else in life's fiery furnace. I see a fourth man in life's fiery furnace. You see, whatever God doesn't move, he will anoint you to withstand. Whatever God doesn't deliver you from, he will give you the power to resist. God will not always remove the enemy after he has delivered you from sin, but he has called you to exercise dominion over the enemy. I said this morning, how are we to move from a deliverance mindset to a dominion mindset. Now I want to make sure you understand this. Every one of you have experienced deliverance. You've been if you're saved, you have experienced the ultimate deliverance. You have been delivered from sin and shame. You've been delivered from Pharaoh. You have been delivered from the enemy. And after salvation, God doesn't always deliver you from everything. He gives you the dominion to advance his kingdom and to expand your territory. I want to ask you a question. Are you expanding in your life? Are you expanding the territory in your life? Are you taking dominion in your life? Listen, you, can, you, you can't negotiate with the devil. You can't sit down and say, well, Mr. Devil, I don't like what... You got, you, you got to get fed up with it. You, you, nothing changes until something changes. You, you, you got to make up your mind that it's going to change. Nothing changes until something changes. Some of us just need to pull ourselves up by the bootstraps and slap ourselves a little bit and tell, listen, I'm tired of this. This has to change. And I am decreeing and prophesying over you as a church tonight that you're going to walk in a dominion mindset and a dominion spirit. You're going to get uh, frustrated with the enemy. Amen. I said, amen. You may not know Greek and Hebrew. You may not know all that stuff, but you need to tell the devil, if I got to get up and run around my house and take my Bible and hit you between the eyes, you ain't staying in my house. You got to get frustrated with the devil. You got to get mad at You got to take dominion over this. Quit asking God to deliver you from everything. He's given you power to exercise dominion over everything that comes against you. Amen. So how am I supposed to move from a deliverance mindset to a dominion mindset. Well, there's several things you've got to do. And I said, number one, you've got to cut. You, you got, you got to be cut. And in the story here, that was circumcision. All right. And the second generation of these Israelites never, they never experienced circumcision. And one of the very first things that Joshua did to these men, once they crossed over, was that they, he circumcised them. And you find that in Joshua chapter number five, in verse number one, verse two, verse three, the Bible says, and the Lord spoke to Joshua, I want you to take a flint knife and I want you to circumcise 
all the sons of Israel again a second time. One of the very first things that they did when they went into the promised land is that they experienced circumcision. And now, spiritually speaking, God has to circumcise our heart. He has to cut our heart. In other words, there are some things he has to cut out in order for us to progress in him. And, and you know what? Circumcision happens at a private location on your body. I think you get what I'm saying. And, and, and God wants to circumcise the private places of your life, those things that you don't allow anybody to see, or maybe the things that you don't talk about, those private places of your life, the Holy Spirit wants to cut those areas. Because you will never ever walk in dominion unless you allow the Holy Spirit to allow him to cut those things in your life that, that, uh, that you normally wouldn't let anybody see. You need to let him cut those secret places of your life. And when he cuts you, he doesn't cut you to hurt you. He cuts you to separate you. He cuts you to separate you. There has to be consecration before conquering. Say that with me. There has to be consecration before conquering. There has to be consecration before conquering. And a lot of people trying to conquer things that they first hasn't, they haven't yet consecrated. You've got to consecrate yourself before you go to conquering things. You've got to attack the flesh before you attack the devil. You've got to cut your flesh before you attack the devil. And some of us, you know, we, we want to... We want to sing those beat up devil songs, you know, take back what the devil stole. And, and we want to beat up the devil with all those songs. And I love those songs. There ain't nothing wrong with those songs. But the problem is, is that we first haven't been circumcised ourselves, And then the devil comes on Monday morning and then we lose the battle. We got to first learn how to attack our flesh before we attack the devil. In order for you to conquer, you first must be cut. You first must be cut. You first must be cut. In order for you to conquer, you first must be cut. You must be cut. And you know what happens after that? The Bible says in Joshua chapter 5, right after they experienced the circumcision, the Bible says God came to Joshua and said, Today I have removed the reproach of Egypt off of you. Because that's what happens when the Holy Spirit begins to cut things in your life. He begins to remove the residue of Egypt off of your life. He begins to remove the residue of Egypt off of your life. Some of us have been delivered. Some of us have been brought out of Egypt. You're delivered, but you still got residue of Egypt on you. And this second generation of Israelites who knew not the Lord and saw the acts of God in Egypt, that's why they had to be circumcised. They had the residue of their parents on them. And God says, I, what I want to do, I want you to circumcise them, Joshua. And after, you, after I cut, I'm going to remove the residue right off of their life. And you know what I'm talking This is life application, all right? Life application. These are some life principles that I see in this thing. And listen, some of us want to give up on the Lord because cutting hurts. He doesn't cut you to hurt you. He cuts you to separate you. And I've said this, and I think it's important. If you're going to struggle, struggle in the direction of your calling. Struggle in the direction of your passion. If you're going to struggle, there ain't nothing wrong with struggling. Struggle in the direction. It's not about pace. It's about direction. It's not about pace. It's about direction. And in the economy of God, it's not about perfection. It's about progress. If you're not intentionally going forward, you're unintentionally going back. You got to keep going forward. You got to keep pressing forward. You got to keep going forward. If you got to sing the same song over and over, keep singing the same song. If you got to pray the same prayer, keep praying the same prayer. Whatever you got to do, you keep doing it over and over. If you got to go down to the Jordan River, like Naaman and dip seven times, dip seven times. If you got to walk around the wall seven times, walk around 
the wall seven times. Whatever you got to do, you keep doing it. But keep in the right direction. If you got to struggle, struggle to victory. Struggle to victory. There's a slave struggle and there's a soldier struggle. You know what I'm saying? A slave struggle is you're slaving in your bondage. You're struggling in your bondage. You're struggling in your sin. But a soldier struggle is a struggle to achieve something. Amen. How many are struggling to achieve something? A soldier struggle. I'm struggling to achieve what God wants me to have. Amen. Can you lift your hands right now and just praise God? I'm a soldier. I'm a, it's a soldier struggle. I'm going forth and not giving up. Amen. And so I want to give you two other principles that I see to how to, have, how to move from a deliverance mindset to a dominion mindset. You see, the, another thing that they did right after they crossed over is not only were they circumcised, but also the Bible says that they built a memorial. Because when they went through the Jordan River in Joshua chapter number six, Joshua chapter number six, uh, excuse me, I'm sorry, excuse me, Joshua chapter number four, the Bible says Joshua chapter number four, verse number three, and Joshua, and this is speaking of... Uh, uh, the Lord saying to Joshua, chapter number, verse number three, and command them saying, take for yourselves 12 stones from here, out of the midst of the Jordan, from the place where the priests set their foot firm, ye shall carry them over with you and leave them in the lodging place where you lodge tonight. And then verse number, verse number seven, then ye shall answer them that the waters of the Jordan, he's saying, this is what you're to tell your children's children about these stones. He says, right when you cross over the Jordan, what I want you to do is I want you to pick up 12 stones. I want you to pick up 12 stones from the Jordan River. When you cross over, pick them up. And then I want you to tell your children this, verse number, verse number seven. Then you shall answer them, them and say to them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off, cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord when it crossed over the Jordan. And the waters of the Jordan were cut off, and these stones shall be a memorial to the children of Israel forever. Verse number 21, Then ye shall speak to the children of Israel and say to them, When your children ask their fathers in the time to come, what does these stones mean? I'm about to shout, verse 22, Then all of you shall say, Israel crossed over on the Jordan on dry ground for the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan before you until the day that you crossed over to the other side. Isn't God good? In the first generation, he dried up the Red Sea for Moses. In this generation, he dried up the Jordan River for Joshua. And I want to let you know that the best days are ahead. What God did for our grandparents, God did for our former generation. The former generation saw the Red Sea. They saw God dry up the Red Sea. They saw the miracles. But this generation is also going to see miracles. We're going to see the Jordan dry up as well. What God, what God did for the first generation, he also did for the second generation. The first generation of the Israelites, he 
He dried up the Red Sea and they crossed over on dry ground. And this generation, under Joshua's leadership, he dried up the Jordan River. Because what God does for one generation, God will do it for another generation. We have heard stories about how God has moved in times past, how revival has happened, how the Spirit has happened. Yes, they have seen the Red Sea dried up. They have seen the miracles of God. But I'm telling you today that we're living in the last of the last days and God has something good for us too. He's getting ready to dry up the Jordan River for us as well. Can somebody shout amen? Amen. So the second thing that you see, not only were they cut, not only were they circumcised, but number two, he told them when you cross over, when you're crossing over the Jordan, I want you to pick up 12 stones and I want these 12 stones to be a memorial to your children's children that it was I that dried up the Jordan River, just like I dried up the Red Sea for your ancestors and for your grandparents. You see, we have to build a memorial for our children. If we want to move from a deliverance mindset to a dominion mindset, this is important because this teaches the second generation that God is a God that, that not only delivers, but he's a God that gives the enemy into your hands, that he's a God of dominion. We're not building a monument. We're building a memorial. We have a lot of monuments of the past. Praise God for him. But God wants to do a memorial. Do you have any stones? Is there any stones that you could look back on your life? Listen, let me, can, I, can I tell you something? Anytime God delivers you, that's a stone. Anytime God heals you, that's a stone. Anytime God answers a prayer, that's a stone. And I want you to take those stones and I want you to build a memorial for future generations that they can look back and say, listen, God did it for my grandparents, God did it for my mama, and God can do it for me today. Listen, I want to tell you something. I think sometimes our children are spoiled. I think we are spoiled spoiled sometimes. I don't know if we, do we have any stones in the, do we have any stones to share? Is there any answers, prayers that we can share with our future generations? Is there, see our children are so pampered, some of them, not all of them, some of them don't know what it means to pray that God would take care of the light bill or that God would provide groceries on the table or that God would provide the rent or whatever, because we're so pampered, we get everything that we want. And so therefore our children grow up and there is no memorial because we've become so pampered. We have everything. We don't have to believe God for anything. We don't have to trust God for anything because we have it all. But I'm telling you that it's good. God is doing something. You know what God's doing for Christ point? He is, he is having us to build a memorial. We can't meet together in the same building, but that's all right because I got a stone. I know that God's going to answer prayers. I know that you're going to have answer prayers. Some of you are sick and you're going to get healed and you're going to have a stone and you're going to look back and say, listen, I remember, I remember during the, the, the COVID-19, I remember how I was sick and God healed me. I remember how I was panicking and walking in fear and God brought relief to me. I got a stone. You got to look back at those stones and be reminded of what God has done for you so you can share it with future generations. I, I know that I'm sitting at my desk, but I just want to shout a little bit. Amen. You got to have a stone. Faith cannot be built until feelings fell. I want to say that again. Faith cannot be built until feelings fell. Faith cannot be built until feelings fell. I'm going to say it again. Say it with me, church. Ready? Faith cannot be built until feelings fell. 
Some of us have relied upon feelings. Feelings are not facts. Feelings are not factual. You can't base your life upon feelings. Faith comes in when your feelings fail. When faith, faith is built when feelings fail. Some of you, your heart, your heart is sinking. You're sinking in fear, rightfully so. It's a stressful time. We're human. We go through things. We face mind battles. It's a stressful. But I want to let you know that when your feelings fail, when your heart fails, that was faith. When faith comes in, faith cannot be built until your feelings fail. Amen. Do you have a memorial? Do you have a memorial? And you know what? You will draw faith. How do I draw faith in difficult times? I want to remind you of this. Write this down because I think this is important. You will draw faith from your memory. That's how you draw faith. You draw faith, of course, from the word. We know that. Faith comes by the reading of the word and the hearing of the word. But you see, some of us have spiritual amnesia. We forget about what God has done. So you, you can draw faith from your memory by looking at those stones of your life, looking at the stones that you have, the answers, prayers, what God has done in your life. Those are the, those are the more memorials. Those are stones of your life. And sometimes we got to go back to the memorial and look at the stones and remember what God has done. Some of you need to be reminded of what God has done in your life. You need to be reminded of what God has done. And if God has done it for you before, he's going to do it for you again. No reason to walk in fear. No reason to walk in panic. You know why? We don't need to walk in fear and panic because i got a stone. I can go back and look at it and be reminded of what God has done. And the third thing, and I'm going to close with this, and this is really interesting. After they crossed over and they were cut, they were circumcised, they, they got some stones from the Jordan River. The last thing that they did was that they celebrated Passover. Isn't this interesting? They celebrated Passover. The Bible says in Joshua chapter 5 and verse number 10, Now the children of Israel camped in Gilgal and kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month at the twilight in the plains of Jericho. They celebrated Passover. So number one, they were cut. They were circumcised. Number two, they put a memorial with stones. And number three, they kept the Passover. Now let's stop here because this is important. Look at the context. They were just circumcised. They were just circumcised. And God tells them to keep the Passover. Now, you know what a pa the Passover was a feast that God commanded his children to keep. And it was a feast of thanksgiving. They were to remember what God did for them in the land of Egypt, where the death angel passed over them. They were to keep a feast. It was a thanksgiving for them to remember what God has done. And isn't it amazing to me that God is, that God is telling us here that these people kept the Passover right after circumcision. These people were hurting. Listen, they were circumcised. They didn't feel, they didn't feel like getting up having the Passover after they were circumcised. <clears throat> they were hurting physically. They were hurting physically, and yet they were thankful. They, they participated in the Feast of Thanksgiving. They participated in the Feast of Passover. My point is this. They stood up in their pain and gave thanks. They stood up in their pain and they praised the Lord. They stood up in their pain and they worshipped him. <clears throat> right after circumcision, right after they were hurt, 
they, they're hurt physically. And yet, in the midst of their pain, they're celebrating the Passover. And I'm telling you, you got to praise God in your pain. We don't praise God for the pain. <clears throat> we don't praise God for the pain. We praise God because we know what the outcome is going to be. We, we praise God because we know He's sovereign. We praise God because we know what the outcome is. We know that we eventually will win. And these people praise God in their pain. Right after they were circumcised, they praised God. They kept the feast. Some of them didn't feel like it. Some of them didn't feel like praising God. Some of them didn't feel like keeping the feast, but they kept anyway because they stood up in their pain and they praised God. That's why you can have dominion. You can have dominion because you cut the things in your life that needs to be cut. You can't, you can't possess and conquer the things and have dominion over things if you can't have dominion over yourself. So you got to let the Lord cut the things in your life that needs to be cut. you got to attack the flesh before you attack the devil. Number two, you've got to remember what God has already done. you got to go look at the past stones that you have. Number three, you got to praise God in the pain. you got to have the Passover in the midst of your circumcision. Sometimes when God cuts the things in your life that needs to be cut, we don't want to thank God, do we? But it's in the middle of us. God, it's in the middle of us worshiping in our pain. He, they stood up in their pain and they worshiped and kept the Passover. You see, it's interesting to me in closing that in all of this, all of it, I never saw this before. I, I thought this was interesting. Was that in all of this, at the end, Joshua, Joshua chapter 5, verse number 13, Joshua had a visitation from the commander of the Lord's army. Joshua, at the, at the end of it, Joshua had a visit from the commander of the Lord's army, which we believe is, is Jesus. He had a visit with the Lord. I'm telling you, if we want a visitation from the Lord, we've got to learn to be cut. We've got to learn to remember what he's done. We've got to learn how to Keep the Passover. Be thankful in the midst of our pain. We don't praise God for the pain. We praise God because we know what the outcome is going to be. And he has a visitation from the Lord. And I believe our greatest days are ahead. Don't you? We are praying. Listen, let's keep together as a church. This is not the time for us to be discouraged. This is time for us to be encouraged. Even though we can't meet in a physical location right now, I am still praying for you. I'm your pastor. I love you. Let's pray for one another. Small group leaders, they'll be checking on you. Judy and Larry Hartman, they're our care team uh, directors. They love you. They'll be praying for you. Call them. They'll pray for you. They do such a great job. Our care team will pray for you. Our pastoral staff is praying for you. We love you. Let's keep together. Let's pray for one another. Let's lift our church up together. Amen. And remember, there's eight things that this church is praying for. And this Wednesday night, I'm going to be teaching. So if you, if you can tune in at 6.30 this Wednesday night, I'll be teaching. We'll have a worship song, and I'll be teaching. And then I'm going to lead you in there. Uh, we're not going to stop praying. We have eight things that we're going to pray for. And so we're going to pray over these eight things. Our church has eight things that we can 
constantly and consistently pray over. And we're going to be doing that this Wednesday night uh, live stream. I'm going to be going over the list. I want you to pray with me at your home. And uh, so we're going to have a worship song. I'm going to teach Wednesday. And then I'm also going to have prayer. And I want you to pray with me, okay? And so um, I appreciate you all. I love you all. I'm excited about when we can actually meet again. It's going to be a glorious time. And uh, God is so good. Amen. And so hopefully you got something from this moving, shifting from a deliverance mindset to a dominion mindset. All right. So um, would you just lift your hands up? Let me pray for you. Father, in the name of your son, Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, I just ask right now that you would just send your Holy Spirit that you would minister to people today. Send forth peace. Whatever you need to do, however you need to do it, Lord, we ask you to do it. Lift our hearts up in gratitude and appreciation, and we love you, Lord. Thank you for the word that we heard tonight. Let the word go forth to the soil of our hearts tonight. We pray that we're not just faithful, but we pray that we are fruitful as well. Let us be faithful and fruitful, Lord. And we give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor Sean is going to end with a song, and then I will see you Wednesday night. Don't forget, Wednesday night at 6.30, I'm going to, we're going to have a worship song, and then I'm going to teach, and then I'm going to lead you in prayer. All right, so, uh, and then we'll just keep you posted, and then this coming Sunday, we'll also do another live stream. Now, listen, uh, the only way we can do a live stream right now is through Facebook. And so it's not connected to our website yet. So please, there's some people that don't have a, a Facebook. So if those of you that have Facebook, can you just communicate this message to people that our live stream services and this teaching that I'm doing is actually on Facebook right now. And so uh, since all of this has just happened, we didn't have the capability of just um, getting everything we need to uh, put it on the internet or to put it on our website right now. And to tell you the truth, there's a lot of stuff that we needed from uh, Amazon and Best Buy that we needed to to make things work, and everything was sold out because every 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 church is doing what we're doing, and so just bear with us, all right? So we'll be doing this on Facebook uh, for a while, okay? I love you guys. Can you give me a fist? Is it bump? I think it's fist bump. Fist bump. Love you guys so much. Amen. Thank you. Brought courage, and I was afraid you were weak.
short days like pastor said at 6 30 on wednesday evening so if you could tune in spread the word and uh hopefully uh we'll get some more things better equipped so that we can uh, come to you at a better quality i know sometimes it, it, it may lag and different things like that but it's something that we are really trying to uh make happen so just be in prayer for that we love you all and appreciate your prayers and um like pastor said we'll be praying for you all as well so just have a good week and, and be blessed. Thank you so much.